Thank you. Well, while you're still standing, gotcha. We're just going to take a minute to pray. Father, we just thank you for what it says in your word when there are two or more gathered in your name. There you are in the midst. And so we just acknowledge and are grateful for the fact that you are here with us this morning and in us, in us, but also with us. And so, Father, I just pray, whatever happens from this point forward this morning, that not a single person would leave without knowing that you are for them, that you adore them, and that you have great things in store for each and every one of us. So speak to us. Teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, it was quite funny. Kerry obviously um, mentioned that, you know, with our message today, you can follow along with the screens, um, but she forgot that I was preaching and I'm not very good at getting all my notes ready for the screens, but the good news is there will be some scriptures up there. So I'm going to ask for the team to throw up for us Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start from there this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, which says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Next verse. Who is, so the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the guarantee of our future until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. They believed and they were sealed, which activated all that was to follow. It activated a future worth getting excited about. This is what we're talking about today. The subject The subject of beliefs and the title of my message this morning is Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Now, who would agree beliefs are quite a big deal? You know, they shape the way we see the world and the way that we live our life. Well, I thought this subject was quite fitting this morning because, you know, it's Christmas and who knows, one of the most common questions we get asked at Christmas, especially as young children, is... Do you believe in Santa? And fair enough, because, you know, isn't that what makes, as kids, you know, Christmas so magical is, you know, this guy rocking up with a beard and big belly delivering stuff from the North Pole. I mean, isn't it just amazing? Well, you know, I would say it is to most, but sadly, to my five-year-old daughter, this terrified her. The idea of him coming into her room at night absolutely traumatised her to the point that I actually had to tell her last year that Santa wasn't real. Five-year-old already lost the magic of Christmas. And, you know, we go around and we, um, you know, people will ask her, oh, Scarlett, is Santa coming to you today? And she's like, Santa's not real. That's Uncle Matt. Yes. They looked at me. They, you know, they, they take a good look and they're just like, what? <laughs> Who is this five-year-old? Because, you know, what five-year-old doesn't want to believe in Santa? Well, last year, oh, sorry, whilst um, all of this, 
seems like, you know, such an innocent question around this time of year. It does reflect the significance of beliefs in our lives and much of them are ingrained in us from that young age. And at least with Santa, it's pretty obvious at some point we realise, oh yeah, that was, you know, a bit of a gimmick. But um, some of these beliefs that we carry, carry with us from these young ages, you know, some are positive, some are negative, but both all of these provide a framework and a foundation for the way that we build our lives, for the way that we see events and the way we interact with people and the way we even behave and the actions we display around us. And so really they determine so much of our lives subtly influencing our identity and shaping the way we live uh, the way we live our futures out and acting I guess a little bit like a steering wheel you know doing what it was conditioned and engineered to do and I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're driving along you and you're on autopilot and, you know, you're going to some of those familiar places like work or, or school or home and you're, you're just driving and then you, wait, you, you kind of wake up for a minute and go, wait a second, how did I get here? Last minute I remember is I was driving out of my driveway and next minute I'm at school. Do you guys have those kind of moments where you're just like, I know I was driving, like I'm still here, but I don't remember getting here no one else has that. Okay, that's me. <laughs> well, this happened to me the other day. The only problem was I wasn't wanting to go to school. I was trying to get to the mechanic and I should have turned left a long time ago. And so it's not a whole lot of good to always rely on those kind of things, wouldn't you agree? But sometimes we might not recognize the power that our beliefs play in directing our life until we wake up and realize, wait, this is not where I wanted to be in life. I am not the person that I intended to be. Recently, I came across some literature that was taught to me when I was studying a unit on cultural diversity, and it actually comes out of the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sex Abuse. Amazing report. And this is what it said. It is often difficult to define our own cultural values and beliefs because we are living in it. Culture is to people as water is to fish. We take our own culture and beliefs for granted as it is part of our identity and part of our very being. Well, this thought astounded me because if beliefs play such an important role in directing our life and shaping our future and we don't even know what they are, how can we know where our beliefs are taking us? How do we know where they're leading If our body can condition itself to drive us subconsciously, even to somewhere where we didn't even plan to go, how much more might we be relying on conditioned beliefs, conditioned behaviours and conditioned thinking to steer our life? It's happening without us even noticing beliefs subtly shaping the way we live our life. And so as difficult as it might sound and as that Um, quote suggested, perhaps in this moment it's worth us stepping back and asking, where are my beliefs taking me? Are they steering me towards the future that I had envisioned? Are they steering me towards the person that I had hoped I would be? Or are they subtly steering me in a completely opposite direction? 
direction, towards an uncertain future, or towards a person in myself that I don't even recognize anymore. It's, and it's this role that our beliefs play in shaping our future that was highlighted in that scripture that I read before in Ephesians. In it, we read the powerful thought highlighting the process on how from belief, how your beliefs can go from just a simple belief to a guaranteed outcome. And what we see in that process is that beliefs are certainly part of the equation, but they don't guarantee it. So how, how our future looks can actually take a sharp turn depending on whether we are solely relying on the way that we think things should be going, on the way our con- on our conditioned beliefs, on our conditioned behaviours, or whether the Holy Spirit is involved in that journey, which suggests to us that there is a dual nature to our beliefs. And I don't know that you'll find that in any of the psychology literature, but it's in the Bible, so let's start there. So two sides to our beliefs, you know, the side with the Holy Spirit and the side without the Holy Spirit. And I believe this morning that it's important for us to understand these two sides when we're thinking about where we might be going and where our beliefs, these subconscious thoughts and, and behaviours might be taking us. So to explore this, we're going to read an account found in Acts chapter 10, where we find two men both strong in their beliefs and and what it meant for them as they kind of grappled with the implications of the dual nature of belief. So why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll read that together. And it says this, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave generously to, to people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour, which is about um, three o'clock in the afternoon, so about that time of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your arms, which is your generosity, have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose name is Peter. Now Peter, many of you would know, is one of the one of Jesus's committed disciples. And the next verses that flow from this gives us an account of what Peter was doing while Cornelius was having this like vertical experience with heaven. And what it reveals is Peter was also having something very similar, but it wasn't with an angel. It was also a dream and and a vision from heaven. And in that dream, God was telling him to do something that historically his beliefs forbade him to do. So you get this account of him arguing with God, refusing to compromise, and he wakes up all stressed out, confused about the fact that God is asking him to do something that has been ingrained in him from a young age that he knows is not right and, and is certainly something that would go push against what the cultural norms of the day are. And then um, it, from verse 19, it says, While Peter thought about the vision... The Spirit now, 
the spirit gets involved and he says, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am who you seek. For what reason have you come? And so they explained to Peter why they visited. And, and so Peter goes and he sees Cornelius, which Peter ends up getting in a lot of trouble for. And you, see, and you read about that in the following chapter. But he goes and risks it anyway. And he gets to Cornelius' house. And look at what he says. This is how he introduces himself to Cornelius. And it's found in verse 28. And he says, You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? So Peter, even after these heavenly experiences and the Holy Spirit talking to him, still has no idea why he is in the room. He has no idea what is about to unfold. But for Cornelius, he's, he's there and he's like, well, let me tell you about what I have experienced. And so he tells him about who he is and what he experienced the day before. And, and after hearing this, Peter preaches, right? And he preaches a good message. Uh, in fact, the opening line goes a little bit like, well, it goes like this, and it's found in verse 34. So I'm not going to read the whole speech. I'm just going to read the opening, opening phrase and the, and the closing phrase, and, and you can read it for yourself in your own time if you want to. But this is how it goes. So verse 34, he says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I am... In truth, God shows no partiality. So he shows no favoritism. And then he finishes that speech by saying, whoever believes in Jesus will receive the forgiveness of sin. So whoever directs their beliefs towards Jesus will receive grace. And it was that moment that when they directed their beliefs towards Jesus that set them up for what followed next, which we read about in verse 44 and verse 45, which goes like this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit now comes and he falls upon them, falls upon all those who heard the word. And the Jewish believers were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles also. They believed and they were sealed by the Holy Spirit, activating all that was to follow. Such an incredible story and what you read, what continues to follow after that, This uh, it was actually when... Um, Christians got their title is from this point. So it's, it's quite a remarkable moment, incredible story. What we see illustrated in this story through Peter and Cornelius's life is this dual nature of beliefs and the power they have in directing your life. And we see two men with really strong beliefs in God and how much these beliefs influence the choices they made and, and the way that they raised their families, the people they interacted with, and even the way they interacted with God. And so not only were they passionate about what they believed and, how, and the, the way that they lived their life, but they were respected for it. And they were recognized as leaders in their relevant community. But what's, what's really fascinating about this story is that here we have two men who had these extremely strong beliefs in God yet wanted nothing to do with each other because, get this, their beliefs forbid it. 
So what we know about Cornelius is while he was all these wonderful things, he had this one thing against him and it was his background. He's a Roman soldier making him this Gentile. And in Peter's mind, he was raised to believe that Romans were outcasts, depicted as the enemies of all enemies to God and his people. And historically, this meant that Romans and Gentiles lived a life of no hope, no future, and no guaranteed outcome, nothing worth getting excited about. And so unless they were related to Abraham in some way, which um, Lani spoke about last week, there was no way they could have this life that was promised to the Jews, all because they were, all because of one unchanging factor, and DNA. And so under normal cultural standards, Peter and Cornelius would never have engaged with each other. And Peter made that really clear when he met Cornelius. Literally the greatest move of God about to unfold in the course of history and it all lingers upon whether these two men or this one man that Cornelius has been asked to go and look for will put aside some of these beliefs and preach Jesus. The fate of the world, literally resting on this two moment with two respected leaders, men of great faith, stepping back and having a look at where their beliefs were directing them. And what is so clearly illustrated in this account is what happens when you navigate your beliefs with the Holy Spirit compared to without. And so if we look at where our beliefs might take us without the Holy Spirit's influence, what we find is... Um, you can actually be heading down a path of unfulfillment. Before Cornelius received the Holy Spirit, we know he was a man who knew about God. His prayers literally echoed through the heavens and his whole life was a picture of godliness, you know, full of generosity, full of hospitality, yet without the Holy Spirit, he constantly kept coming up empty. It was an unfulfilled life. And so, You would think, you know, with all his searching, with all his effort and with all that sacrifice, he would have hit the jackpot of heaven, you know, blessing upon blessing. And and he certainly experienced some of that. But at the same time, he kept hitting what felt like a dead end. And even after brushing shoulders with angels and having that sit-down moment with heaven, he found himself still needing to search his beliefs, faultless, like, you know, top-notch, merely brought him to the door again and again and again. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must have been, but they never actually brought him through to a life of promise, of purpose, and of uh, something worth looking forward to. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a kookaburra fly into a glass door. Anyone had that happen? (laughs) Well, it happens quite frequently out where we live. We've got a lot of kookaburras. They woke me up this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for the kookaburras. Um, not, and by the way, kookaburras get up a lot earlier than roosters, just saying. Um, so the kookaburras, we get a lot of kookaburras. We've got a lot of glass uh, windows and glass doors. And can I just say, it's a very different experience compared to when uh, a person walks into a glass door. You see, when a kookaburra flies into the glass door, they don't get the idea that it's shut that there is actually something there. Uh, it's it's kind of like they're chasing something or they see something through that window and it's not enough for them to just be hit in the face by this invisible, invisible barrier. They have to keep doing it again and again and again, multiple times until sometimes they even pass out. I've seen that. Very sad. <laughs> 
You, think, you do think they're dead, but they do come around a little bit later. But, you know, sometimes we can be a little bit like that kookaburra. We're out here in life, you know, making choices and chasing the dream and chasing after something. And we have a picture of, or a vision of what our life, you know, want, that needs to look like to have that meaning, to have that sense of purpose and to give us that security and, you know... And we're kind of just, we spend our life chasing after it and making plans and, and doing all those things to achieve it. But if our beliefs, all that, if we are all beliefs and all behavior and no Holy Spirit, it's like we're endlessly trying to access something that can only be unlocked from the inside. We see that future. We see the possibilities that are available in life, but without the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a lot more of those kookaburra moments again and again and again. That satisfaction, that fulfillment, that future that you're looking for, it can only be found in Him. Without the Spirit of God, without the Holy Spirit, it's like you're always searching, but you're never going to find it. You're hungry for more, but never feeling satisfied. And it feels like you're constantly striving, but never really feeling complete or secure. And so no matter what beliefs we hold dear or the choices that we're meticulously making, those plans that we've got in place, without the Holy Spirit, the end result is still never good enough. And it's a frustration we might not realize until we step back and begin to see the pattern, until we step back and ask ourselves, hey, where are my beliefs taking me? Where are some of these conditioned behaviors and um, beliefs taking me? I don't know if you've heard the saying, um, this saying, but it says, don't be surprised by the results you didn't get from the workout you didn't do. Have to tell myself that anytime things don't fit quite as well as they, they used to. Well, the same principle applies here. When you are hoping for something, don't be surprised by the future you didn't get because of the spirit you never knew. The new, dual nature of beliefs looks on one side like navigating life prompted by our own system and values of beliefs. But what, you know, what I know and what I think I know and what I I'm believe and I'm conditioned to think and act and behave. But what about when you have faith? Where do our beliefs take us with the Holy Spirit? You know, prior to uh, Cornelius's encounter, we witnessed the interplay between long-standing beliefs and the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Yet even with the Holy Spirit actively guiding him, it becomes evident without the Spirit's influence, Peter's beliefs alone would steer him towards a destination that fell short of what God had always intended for him. In Luke 24, you know, not long after Jesus had been resurrected, he appears to his disciples, Peter being one of them, and he says to them, I want you to go out into all the world and preach this message of grace. But wait until the, you receive the Holy Spirit before you go and tell everybody about it. Fast forward approximately 50 days and Peter experiences this, the Holy Spirit in a similar way to we just read about with Cornelius's initial encounter. However, what's intriguing is it took Peter another seven to 10 years to figure out that the gift of the Holy Spirit was not just for the Jews, that it was actually the gift for the world. 
despite Jesus explicitly stating that that promise was for everybody, Peter struggled to reconcile this with his deeply ingrained beliefs, particularly around those uh, like with Gentiles like Cornelius. They were integral to his identity. And even a vision from heaven wasn't enough to sway him. The reality, though, is these beliefs were getting in the way and unintentionally became a roadblock, a roadblock for somebody else's future. God's plan for humanity. And it was only when the Holy Spirit began speaking to him directly that Peter's convictions took a sharp turn, indicating that he had a very dynamic, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that this still small voice was far more comforting, far more clear, far more empowering to him than even a vision from heaven. What are we looking for in life? Without this active relationship with the Holy Spirit, the religious and these cultural norms he had built upon his life would have continued to lead him down that road that was not intended for him. Sorry, without it. He would have continued to fall in short and God had set this incredible purpose and plan in place. Well, as you know, just fast forward a bit because I realise we're running out of time. <clears throat> you know, you can have your faith and you can have your guarantees, but without the Holy Spirit being the main influencer in your life, you're going to find yourself reverting backwards, going back and forward and, and not fully going towards all that God had intended for you, turning back, getting caught in that same cycle of unfulfillment, disappointments and setbacks. You know, when our life in Jesus only leads to good works or conditioned behaviours and no dynamic ministry of the Holy Spirit, we could be living a life short of all that he had intended. And I just have to pause there because my sugars are low. And I'm just wondering if someone can get me a popper. You might need, yeah, thank you, Michael. I feel good. <laughs> so my words are kind of stumbling through, sorry. Let's just move to the end. You know, when I, I think about these two men, Peter and Cornelius, both respected leaders in their community, both with textbook beliefs and how even for them, they needed this massive wake-up call about where their beliefs were taking them. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you, Michael. Usually the opposite happens and my sugars go through the roof when I have to talk. (laughs) This is a nice change. Not really, but anyway. I don't know what I just said before. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I'll just start from what I just said. When I think about how these two men, Peter and Cornelius, both respected leaders with textbook beliefs and how even they needed this massive wake-up call about where they were taking them, it makes me wonder how much more we might be needing that same nudge too. In life, you know, the only sure thing is the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
that relationship with him, knowing him and letting him know us, letting him guide us and direct us and speak to our concerns, taking that wheel. Yet when we navigate our life without him, we often fall back on conditioned thinking, conditioned beliefs and behaviours. And truth be told, there's no assurance with that kind of living. Our beliefs only form part of the equation, but they stand for nothing outside of Jesus and they are unable to secure that abundant life intended for you. If we are all beliefs and no spirit, we fall short of having that assurance and that abundance of a, of a truly fulfilling life. And the Holy Spirit, you know, He is your answer. He's the mystery in life revealed in person and the promise fulfilled. He is the guarantee. And so where are your beliefs taking you? If they are only leading to good works and, and you know, conditioned behaviours, good behaviours and no active relationship with the Holy Spirit, you could very well be missing the essence of the season we are in right now. The Holy Spirit is the gift to the world. And we need to be stepping back and thinking, hey, have I got behaviours? Have I got beliefs? Am I living a life that could actually be getting in the way of God's plan for humanity? So what I want to encourage us all to do here today is to flip the coin on beliefs. Rather than let our beliefs continue to infuse the choices that we make each day, let's invite the Holy Spirit into that place in our life. Let's get personal with Him. Do you know Him today? Do you know that you are sealed? You know, that message, that gospel message, you know, our beliefs might direct us to Jesus, but it's not just so that we would be saved, but that we would be sealed, activating all of the promises, all of that abundant future that He has for each and every one of us. That's our future that we have. And sorry to finish, we might just leave it there. <laughs> I don't know, that felt quick to me, but um, why don't you stand to your feet and we'll just finish in prayer. Father God, I don't know if anything I said makes sense today because I can't remember what I said two seconds ago right now. I do actually feel a little bit tipsy. If you know what that's like, you know what I mean. That's the joy of having diabetes, but... Father, I don't know if anything I said makes sense, but God, what I do know is that you are real and that you have this plan for humanity and you want to get involved in people's lives and that your Holy Spirit is our gift to have the assurance and the security that we need moving forward both now and forevermore. And I know sometimes the Spirit might lead us to painful moments but the beautiful thing is, like what Jared preached a few days ago, is he brings purpose and meaning into that moment when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and guiding your every day. There is a future, but there is also a now that he has, and there is a plan and a road, a path that he intends for you, a good plan, a plan to move forward and not to continue to look back and to get caught in what we have come from. And so God, right now, if there's people here yet to know your Holy Spirit, I pray this week, this season is a time to begin to think about that. Lord, that you would remind them of who you are and all that you have in store for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, thank you. We're going to finish with the last song. Cool. Thanks, team.